Jonah chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. In just a moment. <laughs> then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Oh, I'm starting in verse 1. Oh, my apologies. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was, was very, a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Then the news reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. He took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. He then issued a proclamation in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Today we're talking about the impact of obedience. This is one of those times it could be very, very short where I could go, the Bible tells us to obey God. Let's pray. Right? It's, it's something that's, that's very known. You can't say that it's very simple, can you? But you can say that it's known. We know that we're supposed to do this. We know. We know that obedience is important, and we see that, that it does many, many things. It helps keep order. It builds character. It teaches us how to listen. It shows love and respect. But obedience is also expected, right? We expect our children to obey. If they don't, then we strive to help them understand the importance of obedience. Right? That was put nicely, wasn't it? Yeah. We've all been on the, the receiving end of that. But we also expect employees to listen to their employers. It's expected. Not easy. Now, you've got to understand, I'm not saying easy. I'm saying it's expected. But it's, when we drive, we're expected to follow the laws. Right? The expectation... This expectation is easily engaged in the world. We live it every day. We expect it. We expect 
that as we train our children, then they will obey. We expect that as employees that we will obey our employers. When we're driving, we, are, we expect to follow the laws. If you're told to go to Nineveh or change peanut butter, we get on a boat and go to Tarshish. When, when obedience, oftentimes, when obedience shifts from the world and our perspective in the world, when that shifts into the spiritual, oftentimes we're looking for the first boat to Tarshish because we don't want to do this. <clears throat> there is something that happens when God steps in and shares something with us to do that we feel like we have an option. Because oftentimes our wording surrounds things like, well, God asked me to. God is gracious. He is loving. He is kind. But God is a father. Even, even children, as they grow up, there's an, an eight, there is something innate within them that there is a fear of dad. Healthy fear, it starts off to be. Because we are fallen humans, it can turn to something that's not healthy. But it all starts, there's something about, oh man, dad just walked in the room. Everybody better straighten up. Dad could be, have a smile on his face and a Coke in his hand and a pizza in the other. But something when dad walks in the room, man, you better straighten up. And you better check on the other siblings and make sure they're straightened up too. There's something inside of us that fears God, respects God, Father. The difference that, that I see in the physical side of things versus the spiritual side of things is first, with the things of the world, we believe that disobedience has a tangible and sometimes certain consequences. With God, for the most part, with the most part Christendom, and I'm talking about Christian society, believes that we have a little bit more flexibility not to choose what God has for us. Secondly, in the world, oftentimes we obey because of fear. We obey employers because we don't want to lose our job and we run the speed limit, for the most part, because we don't want a ticket. With God, it's different. You see, Jesus speaks in John 14 and He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. It's important that we don't forget that our children, our grandkids, parents, relatives, friends, co-workers, strangers, watch us. And just like Jonah was sent to Nineveh, we have been sent. We've been sent to our jobs. We've been sent to our world, our sphere of influence. That's our Nineveh, in a sense. 
We've been told to go. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, to me, therefore go. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptize, teach. Teach what? Teach people to obey the commands that have been given. And when we do that, Jesus says, surely I am with you until the end of the age. Now, obeying the commands, we need to make sure that it doesn't become checking boxes. That's how we ended up with the Pharisees. They knew what the commands were, but they decided, you know what, we're going to take these commands and we're going to build laws around those commands so that we don't encroach upon those laws. And then we're going to build more laws on top of those laws so we don't encroach on those laws that will encroach on those laws. And all of a sudden it became about checking boxes. And, okay, I've got to do this. Did I fast today? Did I say my prayers today? Did I, did I, did I? When Jesus tells us that the greatest commands are to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and to love one another as ourselves, that's our focus. That's where we start, is to love God. Earlier this week, I was contemplating David. I've been reading in 2 Samuel. And I was thinking about David, and David became king, and, and all these different things. We've, we, we know all these different stories about David killing Goliath and, and, and all of this. And, and he was anointed by the prophet Samuel. Why? Why was he chosen? Out of all the people, why was he chosen? And I got to thinking about Emma. Our Emma, middle name is Joy. And I found this mug at Walmart, and it says, wherever she goes, she leaves a little sparkle. That's Emma. Emma's just that kid. She is joy. She, her first name means complete. She is complete joy. Wherever she goes, blah, blah, blah. And she off by herself, and she'll be singing, she'll be dancing, she'll be doing all these different things. And as a parent, if you... Or, or anybody, a teacher, if you have seen a child, it doesn't matter if you're walking down the aisle in Walmart, and you see a child off by themselves, and they're just singing and dancing in their own little world, that brings you joy, doesn't it? You're just like, man, that is so neat. I just love that. It's almost like you want to be that sponge, and you just want to take all that joy and suck it all in, because, you know, first of all, we're just, we want joy as people. And especially going through all that we're going through, we're like, I want that joy, and I'm not giving it away. Because I want to hold on to it. I want to keep it. And that's Emma. If you think back to David as a young boy, he was sent off into the fields to watch his father's sheep, right? And what did he do? He worshipped. He sang. He danced. Imagine that God is watching His Son dance and worship and sing when nobody's watching. What father wouldn't fall in love with that? So it's 
David is chosen because he loved God. Plain and simple. In his own way, he loved God. And God saw that, and he had favor upon him. So then God gave him things to do, and David did them. David feared God. He feared Him. Not because he thought that at any point in time an anvil was going to fall from heaven and land on him. He feared Him because He loved Him. He respected Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. Love God. Love others. The two greatest commandments. This is our obedience. Love God, love others. Jumping back to Jonah. Jonah is told to go to Nineveh. He hops on a boat. Yep, not obedience. On his trip to Tarshish, a storm comes up. God's trying to get his attention, correct? Did you ever realize that there are points and times that your disobedience affects everyone around you? Did those gentlemen on the boat deserve to be in a storm because of Jonah's disobedience? No. But sometimes our disobedience affects others, doesn't it? That's a truth that we need to let settle in. Because God has graciously placed us in our worlds, in our spheres of influence, at our job, at our home, when you're walking through the grocery store, at our church, at the place that you volunteer, everywhere, wherever God has placed you and wherever you are, that is your world. God will give you things to do. He will allow you to build and become the person that He desires you to be. Because He loves you and because He wants to reach the people around you. And if you're living and moving in disobedience, it can affect them. There is story after story after story in Scripture about that. That when you're not obedient, it can affect others. There's also story after story after story in Scripture that when you are obedient... Your life is blessed and everyone else around you. Obedience is huge. It's who God has called us to be. Jonah decides to go to Nineveh after the word of the Lord came to him a second time. All right, Jonah, let's try this again. Wash yourself off. You just got thrown up on the beach by a fish. Clean yourself up. Take two. 
action. Jonah, what are you going to do? I'm going to go to Nineveh. Still wasn't happy about it, but he went. And it was a big task. Nineveh was a big city, 120,000. Took three days to walk through it. But he was being obedient. There are times when your disobedience can affect you and others, and there are times when your obedience impacts so many. And that's one of these times. People were convicted. God was compassionate and gracious. They fasted. They were so concerned about the anger that was coming against them from the Lord that they told their animals not to eat. When's the last time you fasted and told your dog, hey man, you're with me on this? You know, that's serious, right? It's like, holy cow, man. You know, I can just see our dog, Lily, going, what did you do this for? Why'd you do this to me? Because it's serious. It's serious. And God saw the condition of their hearts shift from the wickedness to the realization of who He is. And they changed. Jonah still wasn't happy about it. We'll talk about that next week. But this week is about obedience. It's about understanding when God gives you a task to do. Do it. Do it. If obedience is not immediate, it's not obedience. Disobedience is sin. Sin separates. Now, God is a God of restoration, just like we see in this story with Jonah. But at the same time, there is an expectation from an almighty God, our Father, when He gives His Son an assignment, He expects His Son to follow through. Out of all the love that He can muster in the heavens, there is an expectation for Ian, I need you to do this. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you in a very nice and kind way. Now go. Yes, Dad. That's where we get to. And there's a process that God so lovingly walks each one of us through. We're all different. I do not handle and parent each one of my children the same way. If I did, it would be chaos. It really would. Because each one of them is different. Each one is unique. Each one has their own gifts and talents and skills. Each one has a different love language. And that's how God looks at us and that's how God meets us. Is He meets us there where we are to bring us along into, okay, I heard you. I understand. Through life's circumstances, you have shown me. Through your Bible, I understand what you want me to do. All of the different ways that God communicates to us. As He does that, He's walking us along in this journey of obedience to become what everything He designed us to be so that He can be put on display in the world that He's placed us in. And if we don't obey, then you just might end up in the belly of a whale. 
So how do I know? And where do I start? Love God. Love others. Well, you know, Ian, I had this idea and this thought that I should maybe help that person do such and such. Does it fit under the category of love God, love others? That's probably a good place to start. Do it. But what are people going to think? You know what? That's the point. You want them to think. You want them to go, so why did you do that? You want them to, to start seeing who God is. And it's an opportunity for all of us to be encouraged and to see God's fingerprints at work and to understand and be encouraged that we are about our Father's business. We, I've said it a thousand, a million times, we get to do this, church. We get to. We get to look odd at points to some people, depending on what the Lord puts on your heart to do. It's okay. We look odd anyway. But we get to go do these things. We get an opportunity to be obedient. There are times, even as growing up, that when, when a parent would have asked you, or, or a teacher, or a coach, or somebody would have asked you, hey, you know, Ian, would you go do this for me? Yeah, man, yes. And inside you're thinking, I can't believe the coach asked me to do this. This is so exciting. Or the teacher called on me. I was at the front of the line. What, what's the difference when the Almighty from heaven calls out and says, look, I want you to step to the front of the line and lead? How exciting is that? Very. It's nerve-wracking at first. I'm going to be very honest. I could tell you stories of, oh my gracious, I can't believe I'm going to be doing this. This guy's going to, I don't even know what I'm going to say to this person. What do I got to lose? They're going to think I'm weird. I think I'm weird anyway. But it's one of those things to really being able to put God on display in the most unique ways and to be used in what you may think is a, a small thing and it turns out to be extraordinary. And God uses us. The impact of obedience can be the salvation of a city, 120,000. It can be filling somebody's gas tank. They don't even know your name. But you know what? One is not greater than the other. Because in God's eyes, it's all obedience. And He is just as proud of you for doing that one thing as He would be that person who led a million to Jesus. I think that's one of the things that we need to grasp and understand. That we have a, a holy, righteous, loving, compassionate Father in heaven who loves us beyond what we could ever imagine and is proud of us when we follow His lead. Obedience. We need to move away from this idea that it's an option. It isn't. But with it comes blessing and honor and love and joy, not just upon you, but upon your family. So as God leads us this week, 
obey. Don't run to Tarshish. Don't. Step into it and obey what he has for us. Father, Lord God, we thank you for this time that we've had together. Lord, how you have blessed us. Lord, how you're leading us, how you're teaching us. But Father, I ask this week and for every week to come that you bless us with courage, with passion, and the willingness to follow. Father, it can be something so, so simple. It could be something that pushes us. But Lord, no matter what it is, I ask you to share with us something to do for you this week and, and encourage us and give us the courage to do it wholeheartedly. Father, help us to understand more deeply what it means to love you and to love others. And Father, may our minds shift into understanding what you're teaching us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.